0: I think film, sometimes drama, anything like that that engages us more holistically, it opens up the spaces for people to, you know, join you and think some new thoughts. It's like like coming to an old conversation through a new door.
1: That's Alan DeMond and the soundtrack from a short film series called The Hosea Love Story right from the very first episode i've been interested in exploring short films in the context of all kinds of teaching and learning both within and beyond the classroom my guest this week is a religious man originally from canada who's been living and working in australia for over 20 years if the idea of faith and religion makes you run a mile i completely get that but stick around Alan has a PhD in education and communication and I really enjoyed our chat because of the respect he has for the language and craft of film. So if you're a teacher, regardless of your ideological or religious persuasion, I think you'll find something useful here. See what you think and let me know at the end of the show. I'd love to get your feedback. Oh, and the better quality audio for my Skype guest this week is thanks to the free service of Zencaster. If you run a podcast, sign up today at zencaster.com. The best short films for lifelong
0: learning recommended by teachers for teachers. This is Short Films
1: Teachers Love with your host, Richard Lee. I want to actually start with your background, and I was thinking, you know, you're a Canadian. What, what is it about Canadians? As an Australian, I have to say that Canada seems to produce a higher proportion of people who are philosophers and deep thinkers and have better presidents than their southern neighbours, <laughs> or is that too soon to say things like that? Sorry to all my American friends, but maybe it's an open word, but there really, there really is a cultural difference, isn't it? Yeah, uh, so came to Australia in
0: 1995. And came with my young family. Um, we moved here at the invitation of the church that I continue to serve. Um, and uh, yeah, Canada's a wonderful, wonderful country. And I count myself very uh, privileged to have a birth nation and a home nation of uh, such incredible uh, world-class, uh, Yeah, just, just marvellous. Uh, Canada shares a, a huge border, uh, undefended. With the United States of America, so uh, there, there's a long, long history of learning to, you know, live together, uh, travel well. And one of our prime ministers some years ago referred to it as, uh, you know, the mouse living with the elephant. Uh, so Canada has its own distinct culture and uh, a real sense of identity, uh, but it can't help but be uh, defined in part and influenced by. Uh, just the massive community that lives next door. And uh, every time they move, uh, we scurry to uh,
1: to respond in various ways. So your, your background, uh, you mentioned you had some studies in philosophy, but also education and communication. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah. Uh, so my first degree is in philosophy. And uh, I, I'd like to tell you that, you know, I've, I've always been a, a deep thinker and, and wanted to pursue those issues. Truth is, I had a, a friend who was doing philosophy, uh, I didn't know what else to do, and so I thought, well, I'll do that. So uh, I had the privilege to uh, study, study philosophy and then to build theology on that and to uh, pursue some studies in education and then to do a bit of teaching in religious education, public speech communication, uh, philosophy, Uh, and a few other bits and pieces. So uh, in in Canada, I uh, studied at uh, Acadia in eastern Canada and then went off to uh, Princeton University in the US to get a master's degree. And then uh, here in Australia have continued those those studies.
1: But you ultimately... Got a PhD too, and didn't you? Which was in the area of which?
0: Yes, yes. So my PhD is in uh, education. So, so taking a, a, an educational philosophy and applying those insights to communication in the faith community. So preaching. How, how do we how do we understand preaching? How do we do that well? But how do we help? Others grow
1: in that area. Now, before we get into the the film and media communication side of things, let me unpack this this idea about um, about being a Christian. Um, you know, as you know, Alan, I'm also a Christian, but I think you have it harder because I don't get paid to be an upfront leader of a community of you know people in this faith, and and in a sense, you have to people are expecting you to be firm and certain about that faith. So what, what keeps you going in your role as a minister? Because surely you'd have times of doubt and struggle. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: So uh, it is human to doubt. Uh, it is human to question, to struggle. And I think the best of faith experiences are not the ones that we just, uh, you know, believe against our will. Uh, it's It's the experiences that through struggling, through wrestling, uh, through uh, you know the, the realities of life, we we, we come to uh, embrace convictions, and those convictions grow. So for me, as a young adult, um, I, I had you know enormous questions, and th- that was probably part of that philosophy journey. And a good mate of mine, and you know everything was a question, everything was a debate. Um, and to to sort of pursue that journey and that inquiry, uh, it's engaging, it's fun. Uh, but 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 the real I think enjoyment for me as a as a minister a leader in a church uh, is people's lives seeing transformation so seeing how ideas impact behavior seeing how big picture ideas you know the 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 the, the massive commitments uh, of life that have been wrestled with you know since ancient days how does that impact on a daily basis and so that's where. It, preaching or uh, teaching in a, in a faith community has its traction. People are seeking peace. People are seeking some sense of uh, you know uh, help for interpersonal relationships, some sense of connection, purpose, you know, all, all those ideas. We, we all seek that. And so I get to participate with people in that journey. I get to um, explore those spaces and bring people into dialogue with each other and bring people into dialogue with uh, you know the, the ancient stories of faith. So within the Christian tradition, we have Christian scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, and, and they're ancient writings. Uh, so uh, y- you know we, we engage with this stuff that has a long and wonderful heritage, and find that it opens up and it connects, and so many people are so
1: profoundly helped. So that's what, that's what keeps me engaged. And and the church that you lead, so it's not a, a big denomination, is it? Yet it's definitely based in an area of Melbourne that you could call a Bible belt with lots of other big Protestant churches around it. Tell me about the church. So uh, the church that I lead is called New Hope Baptist
0: Church. And the uh, the Baptist denomination in Australia, it's sort of a, a lesser known denomination. So uh, it's actually quite sizable in numbers. It's it's larger than some of the other denominations that you, know, you would think of as um, sort of alternates to the Catholic and the Anglican community. Um, but we don't have a structure at the top that drives activity or, or uh, speaks to the public space you know, with one voice for Baptists. That's part of, our, part of our genius and uh, as with every strength it brings its weaknesses. But B- Baptists are local and so we have our communities you know in a particular area and the the decision making the discernment uh, the ownership the practice of ministry the engagement with community it's all owned right there locally so we associate with one another but there isn't a hierarchy telling us what to do and so very often, the Baptist community sort of flies under the radar because of that. So at New Hope uh, Baptist Church, we have a whole range of uh, just interesting and, and fun activity. Uh, we have a preschool and a cafe and uh, a community care uh, enterprise that runs English second language classes and uh, feeds Folks on a Saturday night who are lonely or disenfranchised and uh, offers help to people who are in financial crisis and counselling and uh, just, just a whole range of community engagements. Uh, so it's, it's about the church living out this life in Christ, this this connection with the divine and uh, you, you know helping one another on the journey of life.
1: Well, that leads, I think, nicely into the first film that um, you have recommended, Paula's story.
0: Hi, I'm Paula Raab, and we're standing in my retail store, Taylor Francis, in Blackburn. Six years ago now, we're coming into our seventh year, we um, actually got our retail space where we're standing in today.
1: So New Hope does lots of these little interview-based portrait shorts about people within your church community. So tell me about this. Uh, So yeah, we produce these little uh, New Hope stories,
0: we call them, Uh, just maybe visit a person's workplace, uh, have a chat about what they do, what their life involves, what they're excited about, And just engaging uh, the conversation around faith. How does that play out? I have two full-time staff and then a couple of part-time staff. They all know where I stand. They all know that we have to be ethical with things. You know, we don't make up stories if we've made a mistake. We apologise if we've done something wrong and we move on. So um, in that sort of way... I've never hidden who I am, they're very aware of it, you know. Quite often there will be people in need and we will be out the back praying for them and they just know those things happen. So And so hearing people's individual stories is a very engaging part of the journey.
1: Do you get feedback about these stories in particular, you know, from members of the congregation?
0: Yeah, yeah, lots of great feedback. Some of the most interesting feedback comes from the person doing the story, watching it after it's been filmed and edited, and saying, "I didn't know it was so interesting," uh, b- because we, we we are we're interesting as human beings. We we do things that you know as we live through the path. It's just well, that's just what I did. But when you when you look back and when others look in with you, uh, it, it's it's exciting. It's wonderful, and we learn from each other. There's, some, there's something about hearing somebody talk about their life and their struggles that causes
1: us all to lean in and learn and grow. And, yeah, and certainly there are things that encourage my faith. You know, I've mentioned to you that in different denominations there's an emphasis on, you know, more on biblical teaching and, you know, this and that, but but what encourages me a lot is is when I hear the way that other people, you know, connect this faith to their real day-to-day lives. But, but it got me thinking about uh, this question of audience. You know, as a filmmaker, I'm always... Thinking, you know, who is this aimed at, or who who is it targeting? And and I, I you know, I could imagine, for example, that someone within the church would see a story like Paula's very, very differently to someone outside. And, I, in fact, I have a suspicion that, um, you know, a non-Christian would see this kind of film as a sort of a soft sell for the church's ideology and worldview. You know, how, how do you read it? What do you think about that? Um, absolutely. Every time any of us
0: tells a story about ourselves, we're uh, telling a story about our ideology and our worldview. Uh, and, and so I think what makes it powerful is that it comes out of that place. And so our, our little short films, I mean, they definitely are, uh, folks who are followers of Jesus talking to other folks who are followers of Jesus and saying Is what it looks like for me. And as with any conversation, those who lean in from outside will get something or not. Um, you, you know, I, I'm I'm not a real uh, cricket fan. Um, I appreciate the game. I go once in a while with a colleague, uh, just, you know, sit and watch. But uh, uh, when he and his mates get together and go on about cricket, I don't get much out of that conversation. Uh, it gives them enormous passion. Uh, but I I lean in, take an interest because it's, you know, it's his game. Maybe someday I'll have a revelation and uh, I'll be
1: mad keen on cricket. I don't know. It's a nice analogy. Let's move on to another film. This is uh, Hosea, The Love Story.
0: Uh, so we were planning to do some teaching out of an Old Testament book. Uh, one of our guys, quite randomly, uh, on online, uh, doing a little research, found this, this video series. So we sent a message off to the church and said, hey, can we use this stuff? And they sent a message back saying, yes, absolutely. Uh, they put a bunch of work into preparing this thing. It's online. Anybody can use it. Um, and they're, they're just little, little snippets, a couple of minutes, that introduce... Um, you to the themes in segments of the book of uh, Hosea. Um so the book of Hosea is about a a prophet's journey in explaining to uh, the ancient Israelites what what uh, is involved in their their behaviors that were insulting God and God's character. and it's a book that explores how does that affect God what what's what's God's take on that. And it makes it such an interesting book, because we often think about our take on God. This is a book that explores God's take on us. And uh, so it it uses this metaphor of um, a broken relationship, Um, but what really is kind of almost risque about it, uh, the, the, the prophet marries a prostitute, and the relationship blows up, and the prophet is instructed to hang in there with her, and the relationship gets restored, so it's kind of an earthy sort of thing. Now you can read that as you know, Old Testament language, churchy language, and you can miss a lot. But when you come to church, and up on the screen is an image of a prostitute, and you know she's a prostitute, and and it's you know moving through the the elements of the uh, opening section of the of the story, and then just freezes. Uh, it's a wonderful context you know in which to now explored.
1: And and a lot of biblical stories do have those inbuilt metaphors, you know, and, and there are the, the range of, there's the letters, there's the, you know, the law, there's the, but, you know, a lot of the prophetic books actually are rich in symbols and, and stuff that filmmakers deal with all the time. And, and I guess to me, that was also why I was impressed with it. It was less, you know, my, my pet peeve is um, people that want filmmakers to make, you know, a selling tool that want to convince you of something and are there to sell. This film was less about the filmmaker convincing me about anything and just simply revealing a biblical narrative that was already there. But just just let me jump back to this idea of um, how you use it in the context of preaching because – you know, in some ways, using a film in the place, or you know, in conjunction with preaching, you're almost competing with the screen. How how did you find that as a new thing for you? You know, look,
0: it I, 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 it was positive positive experience because I think I think film, uh, sometimes drama, um, anything like that that engages us creatively engages. Uh, us more holistically, it opens up the spaces for people to, you know, join you and think uh, some new thoughts. It's like it's like coming to an old conversation through a new door that we haven't entered before. You're right. There, there was a sense of you know very powerful because powerful short films, and uh, you know very powerful imagery. It's it's always a challenge, I think, when when you are commentating on something. Uh, to posture yourself as the one who's going to now explain that. And, and it, 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 it's far more powerful to try to just let it speak for itself. And this is what I find to be profoundly true about the biblical content. Some people start to read it and they get really frustrated. Well, it's no wonder, um, as you alluded earlier, it's a collection of all kinds of diverse literature. So, you know, imagine taking a, a page from an old phone book and um, uh, a grocery list and a poem and, and some lyrics from a recent song and uh, a chapter from a history book that you found, just binding all that together and giving it to a friend and say, here's some thoughts for you. It, it's it's mad. Uh, but that's, that's exactly what the Bible is. It, it is this collection of very diverse materials um, that that were uh, sort, of, sort of literary moments of People's journey with God. And so so letting that material speak. um, So so in a sense, the short film, the Bible, and Alan, the the communicator, are all trying to do the same thing here. And to open up this space and to allow people to experience God. um, And and we're trying not to get in one another's hair or or, shut down. Because sometimes as a preacher I can do that. And so, yeah, so working working with the film was a really great experience because it's sort of another layer of the same thing, trying to allow there to be space for people to have their own dialogue, their own discoveries, their own connections and opening possibilities, not closing possibilities. Mm
1: -hmm. I want to ask you a little bit more about the the preaching stuff when we get on to the next film, but just one more uh, that I started to think about in relation to this was, you know, I wonder... Jesus was a great communicator. I wonder whether he also would have been a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I, absolutely. I think so. I think so. He, um, Jesus' communication style, is uh, it, it is fascinating because it is um, quite consistently indirect. So there are a few places where Jesus speaks very directly, and it's usually into a space of injustice. Or, you know, where, where he is speaking uh, against the, uh, you know, the violence or, or misbehavior of human beings toward other human beings. But when, when he is trying to awaken people to the heart of God, he invariably uses a kind of approach, you know, stories, um, little, little aphorisms, uh, and, and even his own behaviors that, that, that invite people in. So I was quite struck recently uh, to just you know, reading through the New Testament again and to, to see, and it's always been there, but it's fascinating how you see new things, to, to realize that Jesus called his disciples to follow him in the very first chapters. But he's two-thirds of the way through the story before he says, who do you think I am? And starts to nail down convictions and beliefs. Now, sometimes in religious communities, it, it's... Easy for us to get that the other way around. We we want to nail down all the beliefs, um, and then we can, you know, we we, then we can be comfortable and confident. Whereas Jesus is actually, I think, behaving in a way that's very much like film. It it, it's it's let let me let me draw you into some, or I should say, very much like what film can be. Uh, Films films can can uh, yeah be be prescriptive as well. Uh, but a good film uh, dr- draws you into something and allows you to have an experience and explore that. And that's very much the way Jesus' teaching is. You know, he sits at a well with a woman and she's drawing water. And he says, let's talk about water. Um, let's talk about thirst. Uh, wouldn't it be great if you were never thirsty again? Um, you know, the real deep thirsts of life. I have water for that. And and he uses this kind of dialogue that, uh, uh, it's just
1: intriguing and engaging. Yeah. Okay, the the last film that you recommended is um, is a film. In fact, it's a filmmaker talking about his film, so it's kind of a behind the scenes about the film called The Artist by. Now practice this by Michelle Hazanavicius.
0: If you go in a theater now to see a normal movie and you watch audience. You see, they watch their, their phones always because they know they can get the, the, the story because of the sound. With a silent movie, you you can't do that. You have to pay attention. You have to, to watch the screen, and it changed everything.
1: It's a lovely little short film based on an interview with him about a silent feature that he made in 2011, and I'll put the link up to that film because that film is interesting in itself. But as, as well as this whole idea behind the silent movie, he raises the importance of editing and sequencing, something he refers to as the the Kuleshov effect. Um, There's lots we can say about that. But before we unpack it, how how on earth does it relate to you? Uh, So one of the things I'm privileged to do is teach uh, people who communicate in the faith
0: context. So I teach uh, in a discipline that we call homiletics. Uh, So it comes from uh, Latin, and basically it, it means to teach people to preach. And the film, I play that particularly with doctoral students, and then we just unpack, because there's all kinds of layers of stuff in there. So he talks about uh, the limitations. Uh, the Artist is a black and white film, and it's a silent film, and produced in the 21st century. Uh, why, you know, that just seems so like, out of sync with everything. So that fact alone is significant to preachers who can often feel out of sync. You know, we are speaking in a a conversation that, uh, you know, much of the um, sort of mainstream communication culture of our nation uh, just just thinks, "What are you even doing that for?" Um, So that's that's one layer of conversation. But but within the film, he talks about how he um, uh, how he communicates using the things that are limitations for him, and almost turning them into. Uh, wonderful opportunities, and so that leads to some great reflections. So the the uh, the art of preaching uh, can look from the outside like something that's passe. And why would you do that? So it's one person who stands up and talks to a group of people, uh, you know, for for a period of time. Um, and so people will often say to me, you know, the, the speech is gone. Well, I don't think it is. Interestingly, TED talks is on the rise. Um, it 's about how that 's done, and it 's about you know what happens so so trying to take the things that present as um, as negatives or as restrictions and thinking through how do we make them positive uh, there 's some wonderful themes in that little clip. He talks about not not having any dialogue, and we tend to think in the movies you know the dialogue gives us the the real thread, you know, and, and he talks about how you can go into the movie theater and check your phone. You can still follow the movie because of the dialogue. But if you turn the dialogue off, you've got to put the mobile phone away. You've got to pay attention. And and he says that, uh, to his mind, the most profound things in a movie are communicated without the dialogue. Um, so just translating that into the whole preaching space, we've sort of got the opposite thing. We've, we've got the words, um, but... You're the one doing all the talking, and there isn't an you know there aren't actors behind you, and how do you you know what 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 are our versions of turning that into something that can can work for us? And so we just we just sort of play with that uh, film and and d- students will will pick up on all kinds of things because chuck a block with you know just interesting little little bits and pieces, just a, just four minutes of gold. And uh, it, it, just, it just evokes conversations that go in very different directions from any lecture notes or prepared script. And uh, students have aha moments, you know, as they think through, how do I develop my own preaching and yeah, grow?
1: But one other thing I wanted to pick up on was, was an idea of um, preacher up front with the mouth and the audience with the ears in the congregation or the audience. It's not as simple as it seems. It's not just information dump. Someone receives. Give me your explanation of how you say that differently.
0: Absolutely, a great communication theorist that I uh, read recently, and and I apologize, that I can't remember his name, but he was debunking the notion of um, what you said earlier. The I I have some information, I'll package it, encode it, send it down the uh, down the transmitter. Uh, you will receive it, decode it, and you know you will know uh, the truth that I have sent to you. And so this very linear. Uh, speech communication model, uh, which emerges from uh, Aristotle, uh, although, although I don't think he ever uh, held it uh, in, in that sort of uh, flat sense that it's it's been sort of reproduced. Um, we know that it doesn't really work that way and so this speech communication theorist had some delightful insights around uh, the, the, the way people build up a construct of knowledge. And he, he uh, you know, thinks of it more as a matrix of of knowledge, and so maybe I'm working on a project of of getting to know something, um, and I bump into you and we have a conversation. You say something interesting, and I take that little piece and I put it into my matrix, and I uh, it becomes a part now of how I am understanding, how I am knowing, how I am perceiving this, uh, whatever it is, whatever my knowledge project is. I'm learning to play tennis or I'm trying to find God or I'm trying to understand what peace means in my life and in, I'm trying to fix my marriage. And so uh, we we as, as um, learners and human beings travel through life and we bump into one another and bump into circumstances and we collect stuff and put it into our matrix. And that's how we we sort of learn and grow, not to be confused with the movie of the same name. Uh, That's a great challenge to public speech communicators who can think that, you know, once I get my focus really clear and get this nailed down, have a clear, you know, and and, and full of great rhetoric and I launch it, uh, you'll get it all the way I delivered and you'll be better for it. Doesn't actually happen that way. Uh, It's a very messy space and to to be okay with that and to um, sort of, uh, it, it sort of humbles us, I think, you know, as public speech communicators, um, teachers, uh, you know, people who have any sort of upfront role where I'm going to do the talking now and you're going to do the listening. Well, actually, no, no, you're going to do some processing. You'll listen a bit, you'll, you'll capture some ideas, you'll probably you'll do some things with that, and you'll, you'll do what you want to do, <laughs> Uh, and so I join that and am a part of it yeah
1: and and I think that's something that you know teachers in schools or teachers anywhere um i think you know, are good to take heed of that because it's the same in, as you say, any space that we're in, where we're all absorbing stuff on different levels and sometimes the minutest little incidental thing can have the profoundest effect on us. So, yeah, there's, look, there's lots of other questions I could ask you, but I, I, I always like to ask my guests one one random question, um, and that is, well, in this case, I'll go with a favourite, which is, what is your earliest moving image memory?
0: Earliest moving image memory. Um, I I don't have it documented, so I'm guessing the, the the most vivid memory, the most powerful memory, it would be watching black and white television uh, with my dad in the room, and uh, the the uh, they're probably the originals in those days. You can still watch the reruns of the Looney Tunes, the Bugs Bunny cartoons, the Elmer Fudd cartoons, those those old originals and uh those cartoons made my father laugh uh uproariously and that made me laugh and feel you know like the world was good and uh, i can remember as a child uh y- you know inviting him to come and watch those cartoons with me uh because of the fascinating uh way in which it impacted him and, of course, that that impacted me. Silly cartoons when I watched them now as an adult,
1: but they had their impact. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Thank you for taking the time and, and sharing your insights on this fascinating topic.
0: No worries, Richard.
1: Find all the film links and related notes in the description and look out for the edited highlights of this discussion on YouTube. This show is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. To learn more, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.